episode two twenty six here on after the whistle and uh and we got nick kiprios going who's rocking a north bay centennials jersey <laughs> in the back you know what it's just full circle eh, reeves you gotta go back to your roots you gotta go where it all started and uh that's the only reason it ain't a it's not a washington capital jersey it ain't a ranger jersey it's a north bay baby yeah i mean listen i mean the the people that are are gonna listen to this pod you know, a little background. Obviously, I, I'm I'm born and raised in North Bay, Ontario, and and uh, Nick uh, played for the North Bay Centennials back in the day. And listen, I mean, I was a hockey nut when I was a kid, and when Nick was uh, playing and absolutely shredding it, I mean, shredding <laughs> it like just monster numbers: sixty-two goals one year in yeah. sixty-four games. Think about it. Like we're talking Fucking super crazy. Assists, eh? Kipper, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, it was, uh, you know what? It was a perfect Canadiana town to play junior hockey where you go up there and you listen, I'm from Toronto where you play minor hockey, you get lost in the shuffle. You know, there's the Toronto Marley still all after all these years, man, it was like, if you're not a Toronto Marley, you're not that big of a deal. Yeah. Once you go into a, a a small town like North Bay or you know anyone's any of them up north Sudbury Sioux Saint Marie, you are in northern Ontario and you are instantly uh, you know a, a celebrity. You're, a, go- in that you're town. a god. You're a celebrity. That's what it is, uh, and and it's a real it's a real awakening to go up there and all of a sudden have complete strangers you know, watch you or, or care about your every move. So it was, it was a a perfect way to kind of segue into pro hockey and knowing that, you know, even without social media back then, you're being watched and you're being, uh, you're being judged on the way you conduct yourself on and off the ice. Well, yeah, but you were also being judged by maybe one of the most historical OHL coaches in the history of hockey in Bert Templeton. The late yeah. Bert Templeton. Petey, without, right. without a doubt. And, uh, you know, he had already, uh, he had already, uh, you know, established himself as a, a premier kind of uh, junior uh, coach, general manager, uh, whatever you want to call it. He was the man in charge. And I remember getting traded up there and taking a drive with Rob Nichols up there for four hours. And I'm like, what the hell am I getting myself into? And uh, I sit down in his office and he's just straight face. He looks at me and he goes, listen, I want you to know I treat all my players the same. And then he paused and he said, like shit. And that, that was it. That was he's, <laughs> I mean, again, you know, for me growing up in North Bay and all of the, you know, North Bay Centennial players, Bert Templeton was one of the toughest old school coaches of all time. And, uh, you know, North Bay always had very exciting, very tough uh, teams. I remember when I was a kid, I remember when I was a kid going to the Memorial Gardens and just hanging out at the rink and watching these OHL, you know, North Bay Centennials players walking around. And I was just in awe. I thought these guys were literally the greatest yeah. hockey players on the planet, you know, to go into those games. It's, it's obviously one of the reasons why I fell in love with the game. So, 
you know, yeah. Kipper, he did. was right in that time too. He was right in that time where I was just kind of getting into, uh, you know, some serious hockey and loved hockey. And, you know, Kipper was, uh, was there in North Bay. Just, I mean, Kipper, I'm, I remember his name because he was a star. He was a well, superstar. Well, you that, rifled off his stats at the start. You said 62 ga- goals in 64 <laughs> games, but you overlooked the fact that the next year in 46 games, he had yeah. nine goals. That I was know, uh, 90 that was, points uh, in 41 games. Yeah, that was a, a year where I started out uh, in Hershey. Uh, I had already signed my pro contract with the Flyers. Was not getting the ice time I was hoping for. It was not. It was not a great uh, situation for me. They gave me the option of going to the East Coast League or going back to junior, and I'm mm. like, uh, the I, East Coast uh, League back then, man, yeah, that was like not show. shot. Not show. It was Dog like. Show. Yeah, uh, we had a family yeah. friend who played. East. He said he, he used to call it the cocktail league. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So I, I I went with the safer environment to go back. I knew I I, I who knows if I would have gone there if I would have gone uh you know astray maybe run right. with the wrong guys. At least I knew I was going to go back and be a leader in North Bay. We went to a memorial. Uh, we had a memorial cup kind of team. We pushed the Oshawa Generals to two Game 7s. That super series to host the Memorial Cup. I don't know if you remember that, Reeves. But, yep, uh, I do. Yep. Um, it was some great hockey that we played. You know, Bert, Bert's the type of guy that, you know, like the Hunters in, in London, they, they just have a knack for turning guys into pro hockey players and knowing what it takes and the mentality of it. And, you know, as much as... Uh, uh, as much as I enjoyed scoring goals there, Bert always knocked it in me that, you know, you better play a better, better 200 foot game. You better be able to get pucks out of your own zone, right? You better be, yes. Better be good against the walls. So when I went to, when I turned into a pro hockey player and the goals didn't come, I had to find different ways to contribute. And that's, that's the shift into that more role playing tough guy, get pucks out, be safe. I don't think kids are taught that anymore. And I'm not talking about tough guy roles. I'm talking about like just chipping pucks out as being like a great play. Oh God, it could kill you. Right. We, we know that the three of us know that, that you don't do the little things out there that get no attention. You have no chance to be a pro hockey player. Is that going by the wayside a bit, in your opinion, with the way the game's gone? Well, I think what's what's really gone by the wayside is a less appreciation for 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 having a role and then being real good at it. I think if you look on a whole on on third and fourth line guys, they're all thinking that they're first line guys who temporarily are there uh, holding a spot while they get their chance to be a, a top six guy. Whereas, you know, me and you, Petey, we like, we're not going anywhere. We know our role, start digging in deep and, 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 and learn how to fight for pucks off the walls and get a chip and chase. And, you know, don't no pizzas up the middle of the ice and, you know, job well done. <laughs> Hipper, do you want to know when I knew I was never going up the roster? Yeah. So in, <laughs> We had a practice here in Buffalo in 0506. And I think Jochen Hesch was out out with uh, out for practice with, I don't know, just like a, he had a, a, a maintenance day. So we had the top two lines. Then you had the center and the right winger on the third line. And then you had four players on the fourth line. 
And on the there was an open spot on the third line left wing. Lindy didn't even bother to pencil anybody in for practice. And I'm just kind of like, oh man, well. that's hilarious. <laughs> Writing on the wall, literally. The old confidence builder. Yeah. Like role established. Yeah. yeah. And loud, I, I loud and I, clear, I, Lindy. Hey, I, I bet you didn't race to your agent and tell him how disrespected you are and how you wanna, you know, you, you deserve better or you know. I, did I should not. be on the first line. No, I, I did not. I uh, I just, I was happy to be there. You know, obviously, we want to talk to you about everything that's going on around the league. Obviously, K. Andre Miller's spitting incident, trades, Toronto. Um, but I got to ask you, first and foremost, because we are here in Buffalo, what's your view on the Sabres right now? Yeah, I, I like I like where they're going. I like what Kevin Adams has done, and... You know, it was a few years ago, a lot of people, including me, uh, I'll be honest with you, I questioned Kevin Adams to come in and, and kind of clean up a, a mess. And uh, I, I think he's done a hell of a job. We just had him on the Real Kipper and Bourne show uh, just prior to the Buffalo-Toronto uh, game, which maybe could have been their worst 12 minutes of the season. Yeah, um, right. But, uh, you know, that that does happen when when you're young and still trying to manage a little bit of success. And let's face it, it's been a very successful season for the Buffalo Sabres, who are now in a position uh, to challenge for a, a wild card spot. So um, I, I see nothing but upside. Can they clean things up defensively for sure? Can they get, uh, you know, the goaltending that uh, helps them get to the next level? Uh you know, defensively, they, they still got to tighten up and stop exchanging so many chances and hoping yeah. that they score themselves out of a a, a bad situation. But how, how do you not like uh, what they're so, doing? What was your takeaway from your conversation with them? Does it seem like, you know, he might be making a move at the deadline, staying pat? I mean, does, yeah. the, Alex Tuck, does the Alex Tuck injury do anything for you in that regard? Yeah, listen, uh he's got some pieces to play with. There's no question. Um, and I, I don't anticipate him doing anything too crazy. Like he's got a lot of things going his way right now. And t- the tendency is to get a little horny right now and, and, and go and maybe spend a, a little bit more than you should right now. I don't think I, I, I he gave us the impression that he was not going to go speed up the process here. I think teams at times have been caught doing that, and I I think he's he's sharper than that. He's he's built so much stock in, in this past season that I don't think uh, missing the playoffs by this much won't uh, be seen as a uh, as a a miss by Kevin Adams. I it'll, think that's a win, man. I think it's I think it's a huge win, and. You know, how can Buffalo fans not be so excited with Cousins and, and Tage and, you know, um, the young core blue line uh, power, uh, you know, I mean, come on, Darlene, this is this is a really bright future. And, and the, I think the biggest win Kevin Adams has had that he can almost look at other uh, general managers and say, hey, I, I think I did this better than you, was was uh, hedging on the long-term contracts of Cousins and, and Thompson where they're not. Right. In three or four years, they're still $7 million players 
and the cap's going to 100, 105. You guys are paying gonna... 21 for two centermen up there in Toronto. We're, at no, set, no, we're, no. we're 7 no. million under. Petey, Petey, in 18 months, man, that 21 goes to 30. Oh, no, no. Matthews will be in Arizona. In two years. <laughs> well, you know what? It, it can be, but with the ticket prices they charge in Toronto, you you better substitute him with another $15 million player. So it doesn't matter if it's Matthews or somebody else. The fans here demand that they get star power here because they're paying for it. So you're going to have to go out there and, and pay another guy. So uh, really, really tough decisions, but something that the Buffalo Sabres are way ahead of when it comes to uh, to future uh, contracts and, and, and what that will leave you to build around Tage and Cousins. I know Riv loves that. Like, listen, I mean, I as a as a fan, okay, it's it, it's very difficult to sit back and say we we want we want to make the playoffs. We want to see playoff hockey. But I completely understand exactly what you spoke to Kevin about. Is what am I going to have to pay to get over the hump for the players that I would have to bring in? Like you're seeing what's happening right now with some of the trades that are happening with the top teams that feel that they have a chance to win the Stanley Cup. I mean, the price to get certain players is through the roof right now. And I just don't think Kevin is looking to make those those trades because, like you said, if they do make the playoffs, they're ultimately going to be playing like Boston in the first round. That's a that's a that's a four and done. I mean, sorry. Yes. I mean, you're talking about an absolute powerhouse right now that has been um, marinating for a decade to get to this point. And I just don't think, uh, you know, I think there should be, I think there's, if there is going to be a trade with Buffalo, it's going to be something that is going to be long-term. It's going to have term with it. It's not just a, a rental player. You know, Reeves, um, you know, and, and the thing is, is like, where do you want to go? Right. Like, what is your target short term and long term here? So uh, I, I know that, uh, you know, there's times when uh, uh, Lukanen, uh, the, the hardest name in hockey to pronounce. Uh, Uko Pekka Lukanen. Yeah, Uko Pekka Lukanen has, has fared well uh, in, in, in certain times. But is he the goalie of your future or are they going to go with Levi in a year or two? So where do you go there? You, you, you look at a blue line that, that's got, you know, star power um, and, and size. So so where do you want to go with that? And as far as the forward forwards are concerned, is there anyone out there right now that's a game changer for you? So, I mean, can you add a, a third or fourth line guy? Can you add a, a, a fourth, fifth, sixth defenseman that won't be too expensive? Well, the first the first guy that comes to mind is Tanner Janot, but I don't think anybody could match the stupidity of what Tampa Bay did to get him. Did you see? I pieces? yeah, it's 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 as if he's um, you know a future Hall of Famer. That's a future Hall of Famer trade. <laughs> I'm right? still shocked. But listen, um, we saw it with Hagel, right? Who came over from Chicago. As a, I don't know, a, a five, six, seven, eight, maybe, and that was two first rounders. So anything that has restricted free agent, not unrestricted free agent, jumps 
like skyrockets. skyrockets. So uh, Tanner comes in and he's not UFA. He's not going anywhere. And you, you I would imagine, uh, would have him locked up now on a long-term deal. You know exactly what the cost is and he's not going anywhere. You don't give up those draft picks to, to watch him walk in a year or two, right? You got to lock right. him up like like Nick Paul. You got to turn around and, and make sure that. So you think uh, there, there's going to be a contract that's going to be coming with this signing? If they're not, somebody should be fired immediately. Again, what are you paying him? He went right? from 24 goals last year, yeah. 41 points at 130 pims. He was a tough third line uh, winger. Now he's got five five goals. I, I think they're going to try to lock him in around, <laughs> uh, I don't know, two million to two, but they're going to have to give up five, six, seven years to do it. I, I, I don't know, but if you're no. Tanner, if you're Tanner, you know, are you signing for two million dollars a year? Yeah, not a chance. Can, not can, a uh, chance. If, if if you're if you're a twenty twenty five goal scorer and, and play the way he plays, he's a four or five million dollar player, is he not? Well, he was he was that last year. This year, right. it's something totally different. I just fi- find that real hard to to get a number down for him, and it's certainly not going to start with a two. You know, uh, the other thing that kind of surprises me is that Tampa didn't go and and spend those type of assets on a defenseman. I mean, I, I like. Tanner there's there's nobody that would not like Tanner you know but is that your is that what was missing off that roster or or just a little bit more depth to kind of alleviate like alleviate some of the the pressure and the heavy lifting from Hedman you know and and Sergeyev a little bit um but I don't know we'll see we'll you, see how you, this thing you plays think out. this move I mean, a Tanner Janot doesn't match what the what the Leafs did, but the Leafs go and get uh, Noel Achari. They grab Ryan O'Reilly, and this looks like a first-round matchup without any question. I mean, does it look like these teams are going to be going oh, yeah. shot for shot in the trade market here to try oh, to yeah. bolster their rosters? Yeah, for sure. But, again, you, have, you had assets already that could uh, answer to Achari uh, with – Perry and Maroon. Um, I think those guys play a hard Ross game. Ross Colton. Colton, Sorelli, they play a hard game. Kalorn plays a heavy game. Yep. Um, Belmar plays a heavy game. I, I don't – and outside of Achari, uh, who I think has got the best physical compete on the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, there's not much more. I don't – I see it on, as overkill – for Tampa Bay on Tanner Janot. That's an interesting take. That's uh, We were talking about that a little bit earlier, and I had said, man, I mean, you look at this roster. They are by far, without question, the toughest team in the Eastern Conference when, it, when you go man-to-man you know, against any roster. You go to, from Pat Maroon to, even, you know, you mentioned Corey Perry, Cernak, Sergachev yeah. plays a physical game too. I mean... Now, now Chernak's out. I think he's he's hurt. You know, which again. Well, he was he's suspended. Chernak suspended. Oh, he's suspended. Okay, all right. He's out. Also, all all I know is he's out. Uh, But I would worry about a guy like that getting hurt. I would worry about Hedman, uh, Sergachev, and then who is going to fill in those twenty twenty two minutes? Ian Cole has been a good pickup, but has not 
filled the void of Ryan McDonough. So that's where I thought maybe you might want to go with a gazillion top draft choices, you know, for me. What what did you make of the Timo Meyer deal that went down yesterday? I, I think it's a fantastic pickup by New Jersey. I had him as the the guy that uh, is left in the trade uh, deadline list as most likely to uh, be a game changer. So he gives you size, speed, gives you playmaking ability. Uh, he's got good finish. You know, I don't think he'll ever be a Marion Hosa, but he was the closest thing out there to it. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't seem like they gave up too, too much either. No, to, no, they did. No, absolutely not. So again, Timo Meyer does not have a new contract in the ballpark of eight point five nine million dollars long term. Then they're in. Lindy you know. Ruffles, eh? He's got to just be licking his fucking yeah. chops over there in Jersey, just like, look at me, I'm back, baby. Yeah, I'm back. You want you want to you want to you want to be in that area up against the New York Rangers, right? You you, you better bring the heat, and I think uh, Timo Meyer. Uh, We'll, we'll take them to another level and we'll, we'll see what happens with Pat Kane. Everybody, you know, we hear everything is leaning towards that. I can't believe the hoops that uh, the Rangers will have to go through to, to get them, including uh, smaller rosters. Uh, which is how, are they, how are they going to get that deal done with, with just landing Tarasenko? I don't, yeah. I, I don't get how they're going to do it. Well, they're just going to have to shave uh, and uh, a cure uh, salary cap room from here on end, and that means, like I said, you 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 send people down. Uh, Schneider's going down temporarily to try to make room on the cap, and could leave them with what sixteen, seventeen skaters uh, in the next game or two. Which, again, is such such a bad look for the NHL. Eh? Such <laughs> oh, New York man. Rangers, New York Rangers, the New York Yankees of. Uh, of uh of the NHL and just like well, we, we we can't play a third baseman tonight. You know, it, it's it's like I look at I look at the tra- some of the trades that have happened, right? So you look at Tampa Bay and what they've done for Tanner, you know, and you look at what you know for an example, the Rangers right now are trying to bend over backwards to get Kane, and then all of a sudden you look at Winnipeg. They yeah. they spend a second round draft pick for Nito Niederreiter. Yeah, who's got yeah. eighteen goals this year? Yeah, yeah, it's it's a good pickup, right? It's a good pickup. It's an incredible pickup, but it's not Timo Meyer, right? It's not Timo Meyer. Totally and, understood. And but what you're paying for the yes, other? I know, I know, but you know, Niederreiter is a good player, but I I don't know if he's. Uh, you know, a guy that uh, can be a, a game changer. Well, you third, know, he's, he's going to be a third important. line guy that can add depth. Yes. Um, maturity exactly. to a lineup. Yeah. Right. And this is where Winnipeg's in trouble, you know, is great. And uh, as, as great as their season is gone and overachieving. And I, I had them done and toasted in September. You could read the tea leaves and you could see how they're going to start losing everybody and they got to get Blake Wheeler's contract gone and Shifley needs a new contract. Hellebuckle need one in two years. These guys, um, 
What do they do at uh, Dubois? He's done. He's He's done. He's gone too. So they they were in dire need of of a Timo Meyer wanting to come there and sign long-term. He would have been a perfect segue. Do players want to go play in Winnipeg? I think we found the answer out when yeah. team went to New Jersey. <laughs> well, man, man, when I'm sorry, I played for New Jersey, and I I realize it's a great place to play, but I mean that's a real coin toss, man. <laughs> hey, hey, but but you you can go through the tunnel to go to New York City. That's true. A lot of the, a lot of these guys now are living down in Hoboken. I right? like that's now that Hoboken's back. It's uh, and they are. It's a it's a much different and more desirable place to play in New Jersey than it was when they were in the Meadowlands and there was nothing going on down by the river. But um, let's stay in Canada there for a minute. Edmonton Oilers, one of the biggest question marks in. The NHL is can Connor McDavid lead the Oilers with Drysaddle to a Stanley Cup championship? Does Eric Carlson fit there for you? Because that seems to be some of the conversation. Is that Carlson to Edmonton? Does it even I make just, sense? No, it does not. It's too hard. And you know, the one thing that Kenny Holland said months ago was money in, money out. How are you going to get that how in? How do you do that? And how do you, uh, how do you convince another team to pick up twenty five percent of 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 four more years uh, at of eleven million dollars? This isn't, uh, you know, this isn't uh, Minnesota picking up Ryan O'Reilly's contract for seventy grand, right? This is real money for four more years. Uh, that you have to get, obviously, San Jose to pick up 50% and another team to pick up 25%. Like, that's that's first-rounders out the yin-yang here uh, for for uh, the Edmonton Oilers. And and on top of that, you're going to have to – you're going to have to do what the New York Rangers are doing, and then you're going to have to strip your, your – your, your roster down to 16 guys again and, and either put guys on long-term or, or take some, you know, give away Pooley RV and give away Yamamoto. And it's just, it's way too hard, which will unfortunately continue to put the strain, as you just mentioned on Connor McDavid to go out there and, and score two or three points every night. I mean, I, I love Connor McDavid, David, like everyone else, and I love watching him play. But if you think you're going to ask him to produce two or three points every other night for two months to win the Stanley Cup, you're nuts. You, this, this, he, he's human. He's human. <laughs> but he he's will, doing it. He, he will burn out. It will burn out, Reeves. And you, you've been there, man. You know the 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 strain. And the emotional roller coaster of the playoffs, next and level, the, and the up and down, it gets the best of all of us. That's why there are some nights when you just don't have it, and you need someone else to pick it up. That's why our third and fourth lines are so important. Aside from sport. aside from asking him to need to score three points a night to burn him out, doesn't what you're saying, and he already probably knows it, burn him out psychologically? McDavid and, and Does he have Crosby. an expiration date there for you, or no. is that just the end of his uh, deal? Uh, yeah, I think for sure it's going to go to the end of his deal, okay. which gives them uh, another three years, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. But 
guys like McDavid and uh, Crosby, they're just a different. They live and breathe it. They they do it in their garage. Uh, they you know twenty four seven. They live and breathe it. But you know it, it it will take its toll. That that isn't even strong enough for those guys to overcome the deficiencies of a, of a of a roster. And Pittsburgh's dealing with it now, and Edmonton at times has done it. You know, Drysidle's next level stuff too, so they can play off each other on some nights when you don't completely have it. But in the playoffs, I don't think it'll be enough. And they can't defend, right? They, they uh, McDavid can't be in two spots at one time. They don't have true Craig Reve defenders. No oh boy. It's quite a compliment. I, I, yeah. Well, listen, I'm not even going to go there, but uh, yeah, listen, I just find, I find He's too humble. Is the one yeah, team I know. in the league. It's way too humble. I find <laughs> Edmonton is one team in the league that they're just so top heavy that they're not, they're not going to win because they just don't have the third and fourth lines and they don't have the fourth, fifth and sixth defensemen to get it done. That's just the way I look at the lineup. Connor McDavid, Dreisaitl, even Zach Hyman, Nugent Hopkins had a nice season. Um, you know, Vander Kane is out again with some broken ribs. He's going to be out for a few weeks. Uh, you know, this is a team that they needed that Yamamoto. They needed Jesse Poyarve, who has stunk to high hell since he's basically come into the league. I mean, they're just not getting the secondary, this the the scoring from the second and third and fourth lines that they need in order to be competitive with the top in the in in the game. Right? Yeah, uh, listen, and you know, they're going kind of through it with Toronto as well, being top heavy uh, up front and leaving yourself a little vulnerable. But what's the difference between Toronto and and Edmonton right now for me is the fact that. Uh, uh, Samsonov has played well enough uh, throughout the course of the season that uh, he can maybe take a, a, a 9-12, a 9-14 save percentage into the first round. And at the end of the day, people don't know. He could crack uh, under the pressure. Never done it before. You're asking a, a first-time guy now to not just take a, a team that um, you know is looking for playoff experience. They're looking to win a Stanley Cup. So that's something to be said, but in comparing it to Edmonton right now with a $5 million goalie and, and Jack Campbell who cannot find himself, now you've just compounded the problem of of defending for the Edmonton Oilers. And, you know, that to me is the biggest thing that if you don't have those true defenders on the blue line, at least have a guy that can show that can keep you in game sometimes and, and hold the score down. If, if your, your star players aren't producing three or four points a night. And right now that's a huge issue. Jack Campbell is a major story. The goaltending for the Edmonton Oilers is a major story uh, going yeah. into the last 20 games of the regular season. And uh, you know, Oscar Clefbaum, the, the guy that, you know, him disappearing has just, been catastrophic for the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, I don't know if it's mentioned enough, but you know, out of sight, out of mind. But Oscar Clefbaum was a, a good, big, and strong what, stud. And what happened to him? 
Like, is he... Uh, Injured. Just uh, the shoulder. I think the shoulder just went out on him and uh, uh, career-ending. Career-ending injury. Devastating for him. Because he's he's a defenseman that if he was still playing now, so he's been out for, what, a couple of years now? Oh, yeah. Years? Yeah. Uh, Probably a year and a half, a good yeah. year and a half where they were looking for solutions to his issues um, that never came. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's a tough one there. But uh, have, have you yeah. ever seen um, a deeper Leafs roster than you have right now? Just watching them the other night in Seattle and Seattle came in about uh, a month ago, six weeks ago and kind of spanked them. And uh you know, it kind of got the sense that uh, the tables turned uh, Sunday night. And, uh, uh, I, you know, as, as far as uh, feeling it last night, I think they, they did a great job of not only getting off to a great lead, but then shutting the door. Shutting the door has been a problem for them, eh? Killer instinct, putting teams away. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see where Seattle goes from here on end. But uh, they've had a, a, gr- a great year. Uh, to put themselves in a position of of playoffs, which they currently are in, uh, but I, I really like the Leaf team. I I wish they would get a little deeper. Uh, Has Ryan O'Reilly, in your mind, put them over the top in the sense? And I don't I don't even want to overlook uh, Noah Chari. But you know you you, yeah. know, you look at Toronto the, the the Matthews the Marners the Nylander and Tavares I mean that is what you talk about that is the identity of this yeah. team they're That's super right. insanely elite does does a Ryan O'Reilly type player and for that matter a Nolachari on the yeah. fourth line does he give Toronto enough to get by Tampa Bay they 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 should they should be enough to um, be in a position to beat them. Yes. Where I, what I probably would have done differently if I was Kyle Dubas is I would have spent the first, second, third, and fourth to shore up the blue line more. So again, kind of in that Tanner, uh, Janot kind of feel for Tampa Bay. It's, it's a great pickup. There's not a person that will not take Tanner or, or Ryan O'Reilly on their roster or, or Chari. I get all that, but a little too top heavy for me still Reeves. When I, I look at that blue line and now you're Morgan Riley is their number one defenseman. He's paid like it at 7.5, but he has not anchored that blue line. I can argue that uh, Mark Giordano, who's closing in on 40 years of age has anchored more of that blue line than, than um than than Riley has. So in you, saying do you that think they're done though? Do you think the Leafs no, are done? No, I, I, I hope they're not. I really hope they're not because I, I think they need a 20 minute guy there. If Giordano goes down, if Brody goes down, if Riley goes down, now you're left with uh Timothy Lilligren and Rasmus Sandin. So what do you think Robert they need? Kippen. Is that like a Jacob Chikrin type pickup? Could they make that work? Yes, it is. I'm not sure if Chikrin's completely the right guy. Uh, there's a, a Gavrikov in Columbus, Columbus more of a defender for me. I think they need to replace Jake Muzzin. When Jake Muzzin was healthy and at his best, um, uh, one of the better 
shut down guys with a little edge. I look at the Leaf Blue Line, a little too nice for me. Little no, give me a mean bone in someone's body. I don't see oh, it. Oh, Kipper, the game's changed. We don't do that anymore. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> but others do. Others play with edge, and uh, uh, you need it. I don't care what area you're in. Go look into the past Stanley Cup champions. There's always been a, a, a guy that's played with some edge. What is the fallout in Toronto if they come up short in the first round? Because, I mean, the, 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 I mean, the play, playoff format will indicate that you know, people aren't happy. I don't know who they would play. I feel like the Leafs might play Tampa anyway right now if it was a 1-8. But forget about playoff format. Is there fallout if they come up short here in the first round? The fallout is Kyle Dubas loses his job. Uh, that was set up right from the get-go uh, when when everybody found out that uh, he's in the last year of his deal and either Brendan Shanahan or the ML uh, SE board uh, said that he will not be extended this season until we find out how this plays out. So I, I don't see how. Can't how you chalk it up to an unfair draw if if things happen? Like you're playing Tampa Bay. I mean, shit. Like yeah. they're they're another unbelievable team. You might be <laughs> in the best stack in hockey. They are in the best division in hockey. Yeah. I well, said, you know what? We bitch and complain. I bitch and complain. Sorry, I'm going to not put words in other people's mouth. I bitch and complain because I like the one through eight, okay, in the playoffs. That's what I would like to see. But the problem is Toronto and Tampa Bay are going to be playing each other even yeah. in the one through eight. Yeah, That's what I thought, yeah. yeah. Listen, uh, I, I, Petey, I, I know what you're saying. And I wrote this article about uh, Kyle Dubas uh, uh, a couple weeks ago for the Toronto Star where uh, – you know, it's one of those life isn't fair kind of things. Uh, you could you could build a team that's top five in the NHL the last three or four years, and yet you're going to be judged on the fact that you haven't never gotten out of the first round. Uh, but it, it's a hard sell. It is a hard sell. And as, as much as you can say that it's built, uh, he's built a top five, there's the argument that you, you haven't built a top five in the playoffs. That is, everything everything is geared towards being successful in the regular season, but we all know there's there's been the biggest switch. Like when when we played, it was closer. Playoff hockey was closer to the regular season, and the regular season was closer. The gap wasn't that big. Now it's huge in terms of the look that we get in the Stanley Cup playoffs with the importance of finishing your check or getting under the skin of your opponent and, and building that animosity in game one and game two so it has a factor in game six or game seven. The Leafs roster has never learned that. And that has to be on Kyle Dubas, either having uh, 82 regular season games that didn't teach him that, or the players not having the character to understand it. Yeah. What about Keith? Keith and... And Kyle are, are like okay. uh, two peas in a pod. Are do you not? Do you not? There's no think... way that you keep. There's no way you keep Keith if if you get rid of Dubas. Okay. Like, what are your thoughts on what Kyle Dubas has done in his time here, or for that matter, uh, Keith? I mean, yeah. You know, just to just to kind of like throw a little of my thought is, you know, Keith since he's come here, 
has basically put this team in a position after 82 games. They're always in the top five, top eight teams in the NHL. Now, it's really, really, really tough to win in the playoffs. And I know they've, they've faltered in a number of years. But when you look at Kyle Dubas and what he has tried to do with this roster, I mean, he has done a lot. One of the busiest GMs in the NHL tinkering around with his roster over the time. At what point in time does Kyle Dubas make a move with one of the big boys? Yeah, well, it's too late for that now uh, because he doubled down on all his big boys and winning with uh, all the money up front in the four guys. Listen, Kyle, Kyle's is one of those general managers that we could, uh, we can get all 32 of them and find out what they've done great and where they'd like a mulligan on. Um, but you know, that that's, that's ultimately falls on success rate in the playoffs. And there are, there are strong arguments to keep them. Um, but there's others that, you know, he'd, he'd need a do over on. And there are even little things that because you went top heavy, because you went over the top on, on overpaying your guys. And then, yes, you got caught in a pandemic and you got caught in a flat cap. Uh, but there's a lot of people that didn't believe that, uh, that, uh, that Austin Matthews at the time should have paid, been paid one penny more than what Jack Eichel got out of uh, uh, Buffalo, that the market was set at $10 million for great young players. And then he went 11-6. And because he went 11-6 on Austin, that means that he had to bring up Marner's salary. So it's the domino effect of, of spent a little spent overspending uh, that caught him in this vicious cycle of chasing it. And, you know, there, there are small deals that he can look back on. Uh, he picked Wayne Simmons over, over uh, Corey Perry, right? Yep. Uh, he could have had a Chari a long time ago. Hmm. Uh, he went with uh, Yarncrock. And then he had to pay a... a a second or third round pick to get Chari. I mean, we could we can nitpick a lot of things, uh, but I I get the, the I get the strong um, argument that he's he's done a, go- a job good enough to keep his job. Uh, in most markets, I'd say that's true, but not where the Toronto Maple Leafs are chasing a cup since 1967. Uh, and charging the prices that they do at Scotiabank Arena. We are in the uh, uh, hey. what have you done for me lately uh, hey. era. We we see the fans down here in Buffalo that, that get locked out of Scotiabank Arena due to the prices and, and uh, uh, tickets that are unavailable. Leaf fans, man, they are rabid and they travel in the masses. And I can't I can't imagine how thrilled they were when they got Ryan O'Reilly and Nola Chari and it's going to be i want to see them advance it's going to be hilarious if they don't <laughs> but i i want to see them advance hey andre miller last night spitting what you think of that totally um totally out of character for me and everything that i've heard about uh Kondra miller uh and you know, to this day, to this moment, um, he pleads that it was uh, it was unintentional 
that uh, he didn't mean to. He was not spitting for uh, Drew Doughty. I mean, I'd have to research more about it to to truly understand. I, Reeves, I don't know about you, but like, do you think you know he knew exactly what he was doing, and he's he's trying to get out of it's a bad quite situation? The loogie, Kipper, that's quite well, the loogie. Yeah, it was quite yeah. the magic loogie. I I I, I get all that of that. Thing came right from the right? sinuses in the back of the throat. <laughs> well, I tell you what, uh, it, it just it doesn't uh, it it doesn't doesn't go with at least the things that I've heard about him, but we'll see. I, he's going to get, he's going to get suspended. There's no oh, yeah. question, but oh, yeah. you know, is it going to be one or two games or is it going to be five or 10? Yeah, it, it, it's, um, it's, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. They're going to have to research this and that, but I mean, um, good people make mistakes. Okay. Um, and he made a glaring mistake in this situation something that's just unacceptable. He will be penalized. It'll, it'll be interesting to see what they come down with. I would think it's going to be definitely more than two games. That's just my opinion, because that's just something that we, we can't have in the game, you know? So, um, you know, hopefully, uh, he can learn from, from a mistake and move forward. And, uh, we just, uh, we move on with it. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Uh, and he's, uh, He's a stud of a defenseman. I, I don't know if he'll ever hit headman type of uh, you know levels, uh, but he's he's got the ability to to be a guy that's going to have a, a fabulous career. Yeah, couple Very things. So. Be, couple things before we let you go here, in case we we aren't um, uh, lucky enough to have you back on before the Stanley Cup Finals. Give us your your Cup Final <laughs> and your winner. Ah, uh, listen, come on. Uh, plenty of time, first of all, for us to maybe get another one in. All right, for sure. Right. But um, you know, the, it's one. It's funny. We've we've been on this segment now for a little while here. We have not mentioned the fact that uh, the Boston Bruins went out there and, and made a hell of a trade too, Orlov and Hathaway. So if we're talking about uh, you know the Acharis of the world, we put Hathaway in that same uh, that same scope of being just that that prick man, that pain in the ass to play against. And he's so Boston Bruins, uh, in my opinion, but, uh, Orlov is, is actually the number one defenseman. If you could get right now, uh, above, uh, for me, Chikrin, uh, above, uh, Gabrikov above, uh, you know, even if Ekholm was available out of Nashville, I think this, this guy, uh, he's a winner and I think he can play shutdown. He's got a, a cannon of a shot. There's so much, so many things that he can do for the Boston Bruins, and just that added layer of of Lindholm and McAvoy and Carlo and you know uh, um, depth players that they have. So uh, I don't know how you go against Boston. I really don't. And if they if they fall off the face of the earth and all suck at the same time, yes, they can be beat for sure. I get that, but that's Right now, that's uh, that's a big hope. So, uh, team I, to beat. I'll, I'll, I'm not I'm not dumb enough to 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 just say another team for the sake of saying another team here. Okay. Uh, gotta it's love the business, Boston Bruins, stack, man. And listen, I look at the West, and there's not a team I like. I, I don't know about you guys, but please tell me if if there is close to teams like 
Boston and Tampa Bay in the West that you can go, uh, yeah, they look really good. They're all kind of uh, faltering a little bit. Holy moly, Dallas, uh, all of a sudden, Minnesota. Come on, Minnesota should have been dead in the water a long time ago. For them to still be in it and – you know, Colorado, we've waited forever. Are they gonna get are they gonna get a second centerman uh between now and Friday? Uh, who's out there, right? Reeves, who's out there? Everybody no, had, there's no one out there. Everybody, you know, Van, I, the way I look at it is Vegas to me is the one team that's very interesting. I think that they have some players on the team that have underachieved. I think if they can get back their captain and 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 Mark Stone and have him healthy. Uh, for the run, he's done. He's done. He's done. Okay, well, screw it. He's They're done. done. Everybody's yeah, done, done in the West. Mark Mark Stone's done. Mark Stone's done. Uh, they tried to take his cap money and turn it into Timo Meyer. We know that didn't happen. Uh, who's left out there? So, uh, L.A. Um, can Winnipeg get in there? Colorado. Listen, I mean, uh, let's give the Stanley Cup champions the benefit of the doubt right now. But yeah. honest, honestly. Uh, there's not a team that I like in the West right now. Yeah, I agree with that as well. Uh, his book is undrafted, and I, I I just find it hard to believe, Kipper. Number one, how good you look on the cover. Great, <laughs> great outfit. Thanks, pal. Whoever picked Thanks. that out for you. Yeah. Full marks on that one. Yeah. I can't figure out how a guy with your statistics playing for Burt Templeton in North Bay was undrafted. Yeah. You know what? Uh, Which one was your draft it, year? What would have been in your the draft book. year? It, it would have been the year I had like a, a dozen goals. So okay. I, I get it. Uh, I was just kind of waking up to the whole OHL thing, uh, understanding what it took, understanding I'm not playing for the North York Civics in the uh, uh, GTHL anymore in, mm-hmm. in Toronto. This is the real deal. Start understanding what it takes to to, to be a successful player and, and you got a chance here. That took me a while. Took me a while in the American Hockey League too, guys. So, you know, it's it's a good book for everybody else that isn't uh, Pat Keynes and Stephen Stamkos and Connor McDavid's and Sydney's those those can't miss kids since the first time they put skates on. It's well you you must love the, seeing more and more undrafted players playing in the league now and having success and getting big contracts. Oh. Like yeah, no, and we've got a couple. Um, uh, Tanner Janot was undrafted, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. Bunting here from yeah. Arizona has done a hell of a job, and he's up for a four and a half, five million dollar contract. There next were a couple year. guys on the Colorado yeah. Avalanche last year that won cups. There were college yeah. guys that were undrafted. Yeah, so it's it's great. It's great to see that uh, that life's a journey, and uh, some people have straighter lines than others. But you know, we can hit a dirt dirt road and get out of it, and still get to where we want to go. Now, what was it like going from putting up all those points in junior to becoming a 325 penalty minute guy in the NHL? <laughs> it's, an I did, it's an interesting uh, it is, transition, it is, isn't it? I didn't care. I just wanted to be around the boys. I wanted to play hockey. I wanted a hockey card. I didn't care. <laughs> I didn't care about the numbers on the back. I cared about the the name on the front. You know, so it, 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 listen, we can all look back and we can say we we maybe could have done things a little differently or you hope for something else, buddy. I'm soaking it all in. I'm still living the dream. Hey man, that's a legendary season. 75 games, 17 goals, 10 assists. 
325 minutes. You know, I pulled my abdominal muscles fighting Grant Jennings one night in Pittsburgh at about, I don't know, I I probably had about uh, a dozen games to go. And I wanted so badly and, and, uh, I, I wanted so badly to, uh, to get 20 goals and 300 penalty minutes. And at the time, I think there was only like five or six guys that have done it, you know, and home Paul Holmgren was one of them, you know, my general manager coach, but that, that one would have been, that one would have been cool. You know, a, a 20 goal season and, and 300 penalty minutes. Who was your first big tilt? Uh, you know what? Uh, my first big, I don't know. I mean, I always consider myself a middleweight, right? So what is, what is big tilt taking on guys that you have no business taking on? Just most right? reputable guy that you, yeah. you ended up well, tangling with. And you're like, Madis- what the fuck am I doing here? Like, Madis- like rib grabbing Ray. Yeah. Madison square garden, Chris Simon. How about that at center ice? Oh, Jesus. How about calling him over to center ice? And, uh, he hit me once so hard early and I was able, you could, you could Google it. It's, it's pretty good. And he, he was chirping me and we had this thing between the Rangers and Quebec. And, uh, I, I just knew that if I didn't fight him, he'd be all over my case. He'd have no respect for me. And I'd just be eating his shit sandwich for, for the rest of my life. And, uh, we had, I, I hung on there. I cut him open. And uh, I just remember uh, at the end, he gave me this little acknowledgement, like, like, yeah, you, you, you got me and, and you're pretty tough. And uh, that to me wasn't too far off of winning the Stanley cup for, for a personal, <laughs> for, 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 for just the way I felt about myself and the message that I sent myself and anyone else around there that, you know what, I knew I was overmatched, oversized, but you know what? If I'm going down, I'm going down my way, not his way. What a team you played on, man, when you guys won the cup. What an all-time team. Yeah. No, it's uh, – and listen, that's all you you live for this time of year, right, just to have that one memory of uh, of knowing that uh, you were your last team standing and you, you carry it the rest of your life. I, I watched uh, New Jersey celebrating their 20th uh, anniversary with Scott Stevens out there and Gomez and – uh, Ken Danico and I'm like yes that's what it's all about that's it right there that's what you live for it was awesome it was awesome having you on man it was hey, it was, it was it. great chatting with you love it how's uh how's your Saturday nights going with uh the player cast we're loving it. it yeah the yeah, awesome. it's pretty fun yeah, yeah we're loving it man um done a, I don't know how many games we've done now maybe eight nine ten yeah. but I yeah. mean it's it's certainly a different way to I, I gotta get you watching. I, I got a, I got a little Buddha cocktails. I gotta get you guys some samples. We're 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 gonna come down to the U.S. Uh, in a month. We're gonna uh, do a, a launch in uh, Florida, Texas, and California. But uh, we're hoping to have it in your neck of the woods soon. Too. Yeah, you're doing. Yeah, you're doing the. I remember you mentioning that the little little. But that's still going. Good for you. Yeah, yeah. We got a we got a tequila coming out uh, as well in the in the spring. So. Lots, oh of, lots of good flavors. So it's Little Buddha Cocktail Company. Follow it on Twitter and uh, Instagram and hope to get it in your area soon. Thanks, well, boys. That's a wrap on another episode of After the Whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, After the Whistle. 
and at Craig Reve 52 at the instigator 76. And you can find us as you already know on Apple, Spotify and YouTube and anywhere else where you can get your podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word. Thank <laughs> you.